by tanker drivers. BBC News. Who'd have thought that Radio 4's quintessential panel game Just a Minute would become so popular in India? And what have they done to it? We sent the godfather himself, Nicholas Parsons, to some jam sessions in Mumbai and Bangalore. And we'll find out how he got on at 11.30. First on Radio 4, as the French nation prepares to go to the polls, Professor Andrew Hussey begins a journey through the country he's made his home to offer an antidote to the clichés that still surround this most romanticised place in part one of La France, Maintenant. I'm in Marseille. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm on the Quai des Belges, which is the centre of the harbour of Marseille. And as I stare out to sea, the next stop is Africa. Now, the first time that I saw this scene was actually in the cinema in the 1970s, the Walton Cinema in Liverpool, to be exact. And that was the film The French Connection, in which the New York detective Popeye Doyle comes all the way over to Marseille and pursues the bad guys all the way along the harbour in front of me now. I also remember Popeye Doyle exploring this gritty, crime-ridden, corrupt city. I remember him walking into bars, ordering a beer and cracking open a boiled egg. I wondered, what was that all about? I never thought I'd actually end up here, exploring this city. But that's where I am, and that's where my journey through France starts, actually, in Marseille. I'm going to travel from south to north, visiting what I think are the frontier cities and the backwaters of France. But really, I've got three big questions to ask. The first question is, what does it mean to be French in the 21st century? The second question is, does France really matter to the outside world? Is that really what's important? And I think the biggest and most important question, the question I'm going to be asking ordinary people along the way, what does it mean to be in France, la France maintenant? Putain de liberté, on nous a greffé un casier, les jobs verrouillés, le secteur est cadenassé. C'est un honneur de servir la patrie, pas trop pire en son prix. Le pays de la France à l'emporte-pièce veut carchériser sa jeunesse. La France est malade et c'est pas imaginé. Well, actually, this is a very typical Marseille scene. I'm in a bar just below a quite rough district called Le Panier, and I'm having a pastis, there's Marseille on the television, and believe this or not, folks, I'm having a cigarette in a bar, something to get you arrested anywhere else in France, but everyone's having a fairground here. And I'm talking to a guy called Michel who tells me why, why it is that the rebel spirit of Marseille lives on in this bar. A year after the law, they made in Radio France uh, a report about how the law was respected or not. And they chose this precise bar in Marseille. And uh, the guy, the uh, bartender, explained that with people have so much difficulties, economic, unemployment, and things like that, so that it's impossible to forbid them to have a, a moment taking passes and smoking there. And that interview, he was so sympathetic and so human. There was a huge polemic after that, national-wide, because uh, it has been forecasted. And about that kind of human rebellion, maybe typical from Marseille, resistance to normalization. Evian nearly scored there against Marseille. It was a good shot. Marseille has always been a city excommunicated. Excommunicated? Yes, yes, a lot of time in the history. Then Rebels. During the revolution also, they had a special role with La Marseillaise, you know, but it was a band of uh, rioting people, you know, actually, who, who, who sang that thing. And they made the mess going to Paris in every town. They, they pass by. Uh, so the Marseille, the original bad lads of France. 
Voir les pastis. Allô Maya. Bonjour Maya. La première chose que j'ai marqué, c'est qu'on peut cloper. On peut cloper. Oui. We can have a fag in this bar with the pastis and the football. It's fantastic. C'est donc que durant la Hollande de mai, ils ont sorti une loi pour prendre l'absence. We more or less tried to stay within the law, but it was too difficult, so we couldn't be bothered. Um, which I think is smashing. I notice the clientèle c'est très mixte ici aussi. Mixte, oui. Mais maghrébin, moi, je suis tunisien. I'm originally from Tunisia, he says. Um, you feel at home here, you know, you just feel that you're part of the Mediterranean as much as anything else, you know? Qu'est-ce que ça veut pour vous, la France maintenant? What does that mean for you now, uh, France maintenant? Yeah, it's, it's very worrying, I'm a barkeeper, I think about money, I think about the economic situation. It's not what it was. Um, I hope things improve, but I really can't see how it's going to improve. So Evian have just scored as well, so we're not having a good, that good evening in the bar anyway. The reason I wanted to start my trip here down here in Marseille is because I've always loved this city, but the rest of France doesn't always feel quite the same. They think it's a cocky place full of sentimental, self-pitying inhabitants whose accent is a bit strange and they may well be thieves. So it's easy to see as a scouser why I you know, feel quite at home here. If you like, it's about two ideas of what is France. Is it Paris, which is the center of power, which is northern and northern looking? Or is it this Mediterranean capital that stretches across over into Africa? You know, two different ideas in France and they're never ever gonna come together. It's a city with its eye on Africa. And in fact, North African immigration is really what's made the city what it is. And that, that's why I love it. It's got that real vibrancy. I could easily be in Algiers. It just looks like Algiers. It just feels like Algiers. But there's more to it than that because the population isn't just Muslim, although it's a massive Muslim population. There's also the fact that there's the Pied-Noir population here. Now, the Pied-Noir were the white European settlers who were forced to leave Algeria in 1962 with the threat of the suitcase or the coffin. That was from the Algerian nationalists. Now, there's another side to that. Not only Pied-Noir, there's a massive Jewish population here. Many of them came from Algeria at that time as well. In fact, one of the key players in French cultural life since the 60s has been a guy called Marc Zamati, hipster, punk rocker, the guy who bought the Sex Pistols to Paris in the 1970s, and in fact was a Jewish Pied-Noir in Algiers in the 1950s. Yeah, I moved, you know, my family. It was horrible for the parents, we, but I never realized that. Now I realize how bad it was, because when we came to France, nobody wanted us. They were expecting 100,000 people coming back to France, and they had 800,000. And nothing was ready, of course, so a lot of people were coming starving. But, you know, the Pienoir, as you say, changed totally France. You know, because we arrived in a country, it was an old country with an old mentality. There was no showbiz, nothing. You know, to tell you frankly, uh, all those guys, creative guys in France are not coming from France. They're coming from abroad. Few generations before, they are from abroad. And you have Albert Camus, for me, was a real guy. But in France, you had another reality. You had Jean-Paul Sartre. And Jean-Paul Sartre, say something which I think stick to the French mind, L is the other, you know? And I think the French are still like that. They think uh, foreigners are bullshit, uh, they are the best in the world, they, you know? So it's a very difficult complex they have because they have nothing anymore. Osam, 
One of the things that you find out very quickly about France in the 21st century is that old ideas don't hold water. In fact, received ideas about France are as old as the hills. They're a bit like French ideas about Britain. They think we live in the 1950s, eat scones, wear bowler hats, carry rolled up umbrellas, you know. And you find that Marseille is a place that's reorganizing itself, rearranging itself very quickly. I'm often now to speak to Julie Cheneau, and she's the person who's got the job of doing Marseille 2013 Capital of Culture, same as Liverpool did a couple of years ago. The concept of Marseille-Provence 2013 was really to make of this, this project a hub for artists from Europe and the Mediterranean, both sides. Can you tell me something about the cultural DNA of Marseille? Because this is what I know. Eric Cantona, Pagnol, the French connection, OM, corruption, sunshine, pastis, base. Am I wrong? <laughs> I mean, this is part of the DNA, but it's a little dated. You have a lot of young artists being based here. It's very dynamic for urban culture, for hip-hop and rap. It's very dynamic here. In 2005, when the riots were going up, Marseille was relatively quiet. How do you explain that? Yeah, it was quiet. All the suburbs in France were just going mad. The connection between all inhabitants are quite good. And they, they decided they were not going to go this way. I'm not saying everything is perfect. I mean, this is one of the poorest cities in France. But the, the social life and the social network, informal, are very strong. So Marseille, you know, could effectively be the cultural model for the rest of France? It's one of the cultural models. I, I would not say that it is the only one. <laughs> France is a very mixed population and uh, Marseille, it's a place where it's going quite well. This, this programme is called La France Maintenant. If there's one cliché that you would like to get rid of, what would it be? I think I think it's still happening in France. It's a country where there's still a lot of creativity happening. It's not only about luxury and fashion, and this is true in other parts of France. I mean, what they're doing in Nantes, for example, Lyon, and what they're doing in, in Bordeaux. They have very interesting things, but also in very small cities or small villages. I think such things are really, really strong here at the moment in the cultural field in France. I think also might be that French people need to speak English better. A lot of French intellectuals are not translated or don't speak English, so they don't have access to the, the audience like uh, Americans or English people do. I'll pick you up on that because my day job is as professor of French, and I would argue it's about time the English started learning French properly. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. English people also have to learn foreign languages. <laughs> So I'm travelling from south to north, city to city, but France is a massive country and I think it'd be wrong for me not to stop off in the countryside. Actually, driving up from Marseille, I've decided to stop off here in the region of Chateauneuf-du-Pape. I'm just driving into a place called the Palais du Vin, where I'm going to get out and ask the viticulteur what's going on in 21st century France, here in the countryside, here outside the urban centres. I might even have a little glass of wine, a little bit of sausage on myself. Perfect, thank you. Yes, it's not for... I like it. Hello. Mm. A bit peppery. Uh, Fabienne, Vivienne, la Vendelle, du vin. what's your view on La France maintenant? <laughs> Very large question. <laughs> the people who live in towns and the people living in the country, they have not the same problems. You don't think wine is part of the past and, you know, 21st century cool Anglo-Saxon France, Levant, 
passer la France maintenant est maybe la France comme avant, but with more authenticity. Is there one thing that you think people should know about la France maintenant? Huh? We are nice people, I think. Even if we are looking bad people. Please. <laughs> so contrary to popular perception, the French are not just nice, but extremely nice. <laughs> Do you still believe in the old idea of douce France? Sweet France, it's, a, it's an ideal of living, yeah. isn't it? For my generation, I, I think that we can still talk like that. Douce France, especially in our region. We are lucky to be here in the south of France, always sunny, shiny people. <laughs> shiny people and shiny wines. <laughs> it's a song, isn't it? Nice. Yeah, that's a song. Douce France. Cher pays de mon enfance. Douce. Douce France. Cher pays de mon enfance. Okay, so we've just driven a bit further up the road and we've stopped to get a bite to eat in the only place available, which is one of those Subway restaurants. And it's in this shopping mall, which is a massive prefabricated monster called Shopping Le Balade. It's not all lovely France, you know. It proves that France is looking to the future and it's very functional. But it seems to me this is the very opposite of where we've just been. This is the very opposite of Douce France. It, it could be anywhere. It could be, it could be Speak. In fact, it's not even as nice as Speak, to be honest with you. Right, I'm in Lyon. I'm standing on a very elegant bridge over the River Saône and it's a beautiful sunny day and from here I can see the whole city laid out in front of me from its Roman origins right up to the, the Italianate grandeur of the 19th century. And I've got to say, <clears throat> Lyon's got a lot of special meanings for me. It's where I first came to know France. I lived here for three long periods in the 1980s. It's a frontier town. It's an axis, if you like. So if I point that direction towards old Lyon, we're looking at Switzerland and Germany and Italy and the Haute-Savoie. If I point to the other direction, we're looking at the Atlantic. If I point behind me, we're looking at the Mediterranean. And if I point northwards, we're looking at that very exotic and difficult place, which is Paris and beyond. So the Lyonnais feel that they are very much at the center of Europe got the horrible church of Fauvier which stands up, up on the hill and I still I'm a bit spooked about this partly because I've read Huisman's novel Labat he gives a very graphic account based on his own knowledge of real Lyonnais Satanists of rival priests casting spells across each other bouncing across the cityscape behind me but the legend is that, is that Lyon is still under the black curse of the church of Fauvier Est-ce dedans ou dehors la caresse confiante de l'été Est-ce dedans ou dehors ta joue et la mienne, appuyée contre le ventre arrondi So, I've come to Lyon after a gap of 30 years, and 10 minutes here, I've found a young lady poet. C'est presque mon anniversaire, et je t'attends. That's a lovely poem. Um, pour vous, qu'est-ce que c'est la France maintenant? Qu'est-ce que je peux... En tout cas, par rapport à la poésie, je pense que c'est un moment de détente. It's, it's a little moment of, of pause. Um, it's interesting that in France in the 21st century, everyone's so busy, but they can still stop and listen to the beauty of the French language in the street. 20 um, France 2012, a bit like France 1912, waiting for the big revolution in art that's to come. And I think France is, you know, well poised to do that. Merci à vous. Merci beaucoup. Bonne journée. Merci. 
Well, one of the interesting paradoxes of La France maintenant is that because the infrastructure from the centre is getting stronger, so the provinces are actually getting stronger and more independent. You know, France is just getting more joined up by high-speed trains, which means that the provinces can actually be more separate and, you know, have their own self-belief. But it's also a way of life. And I'm going to meet a guy called Thierry Frémont, who incarnates this way of life. He's the director of the Institut Lumière in Lyon. He's also the director of the Cannes Film Festival, which is no small job. And he's based both in Paris and Lyon. He lives this TGV life. I consider myself like a provincial person. In the past, of course, Paris was the attractive place in France. You needed to be in Paris. For sure that especially because of the TGV, of the train, we don't feel isolated. And for example, when you are in Lyon, you are much more connected with Munich, with Torino, or with Rome, with Madrid or Barcelona. You feel more that you are European than when you are in Paris. My life is totally split between Lyon and Paris, and it's easy. Because the TGV is two hours train, you can sleep, you can read, and it's much more pleasant to live in Lyon than in Paris, for example. Because for sure in the past, Lyon was quite secret with a quite a full cultural life, but nobody knew. And this has changed. We are quite rich in uh, cultural events. For example, if we take the life of the Lumière Institute, it's bizarre because the place where the cinema was born, it's only since two decades and a half that Lyon got the conscience that the city was the birthplace of cinema and that we had to do something. But in Lyon, but it's also the case in Toulouse or in Bordeaux, life is much more pleasant and nice than in the past. Oh, that brakes aren't great. Okay, well, in 10 minutes, I've just cycled from uh, Place Belcourt in the centre of Lyon to this tiny little alleyway behind the Place de Terreau. And I've got to tell you, it's, it's a journey literally between two worlds. In Place Belcourt, you've got everything visible that you'd call European Second City Syndrome. You've even got a Lyon Eye, like the Manchester Eye, like the London Eye. You've got the bikes and the trams. You could be in the centre of Manchester, you could be Antwerp or Zurich. It's lovely, it's a bit bland, but it's all very 21st century. But you come back here, and I I love this part of town. It's a little bit rough round the edges, a couple of bad lads just looking at us. They've wandered off because they've seen we've got a mic. But what I like about it, it's got that 19th century sense of what a French city We like to think of it a labyrinth. There's staircases leading nowhere. There's back alleys that that seem to sort of all be dead ends. So what I'm trying to do is trying to work out which is the real Lyon, which is the real France. Is it the gleaming, busy new 21st century, or is it this slightly smelly labyrinth at the back of the Place des Terreaux? It's impossible to work out, but I tell you this, for some reason, I think we need the smelly, dirty France every bit as we need the gleaming new France. Hang on, the bad lads are back. I was here in Lyon 30 years ago, and, and, and that's when I was a student, and I saw the first wave of urban riots in France that took place here in Lyon, actually, not in Paris. And what I really want to do is to speak to somebody who, 30 years on, is kind of my counterpart, a student at university, lives in the town. So I'm going to meet this guy called Benjamin. He's a student at uh, Lyon 3, which is where I studied, and he's working here in a bar in the old quarter of Lyon, just working his way through college. Charles Aznavour on the radio here. Friends for young people, because I'm 24, is this country full of hope. We want something, you know, 
to change in France. We don't want this, all these cliché uh, anymore. We don't want foreigners to think about France and uh, you know wine, bread. We want them to think about modernity, efficiency. We don't want them to think that French are lazy, are dirty, or you know. It's really important to feel more European than French if we want to be competitive with the rest of the world. That's fantastic, but I'm standing in this lovely old bar, drinking a panache, just about to crack open an Earth Dure. We've got Charles Aznavour on the radio. It still feels very old, very French. How, what's that paradox? You know, it's, it's, it's the culture. I'm a bartender also, so I've got to send a, a message to, to tourists. I want them to feel like they're in France, but uh, I want them to feel uh, comfortable too. Lyon was always a very old-fashioned city. It's changing, yeah, definitely. It's becoming more and more cosmopolitan. There's still tensions, aren't there, between young Arabs coming into the city, white extremists. It's a big problem, these tensions. Older people in Lyon, they won't talk about it because they don't know enough. But young like us, we're the first to be provocated by sometimes it can be Arabs or Maghrebin, whatever they are from. They're all staying together and it's like they won't adapt. It's not that I'm racist or that I don't like them. Young white Lyonnais sometimes go to Venice, Vaux-en-Velin, to provoke. Young extremists, like skinhead, they go sometimes there to provocate them and to say, okay, you're not in your country anymore. You don't get to, to do your own law. You get to be provocated by this band of uh, black or young Arab. They're gonna insult your girlfriend. Then they're gonna say, oh, you must be gay because you're not defending your girlfriend. Fortunately, majority of young Arabs in Lyon are okay, and lots of them are my friends also. But there's these young guys who think that most of young Lyonnais, white Lyonnais, they're racist. But I can tell you, they are not. I've just come out of the bar where I've been talking to Benjamin and hearing a lot of stuff about how young Arabs start trouble. And I've just bumped into two young guys, one from Tunisia, one from Algeria. Moi, je Mohamed. Moi, je m'appelle Samir. And I'm just telling them what I've heard from it's completely false. We walk in the street and they just shout us, um, you know, for nothing. There was a young fascist came into the shop, started to insult us. So he said, you know, dirty Arab, you shouldn't be here. And, you know, even if your father works in Dubai, you shouldn't be here. You know, and all of these kind of in, in, in suits, you know. It's even a question of style. The French guys don't dress the same as us. We walk with a lot more style, a lot more swagger, so I think that pisses them off. Yeah. What I want to say is that we're from Tunisian and Algerian origins, but we're French as much as anybody else, and we live here as much as anyone else. I'm not really interested in politics as such, but more about finding out what is the cultural DNA of this city. And it seems to me that what really is going on here, it's all about divides and fractures, very extreme divides. And I've just been to the Place Belcourt and I bought a couple of magazines, Présent, Action Française, they're full of anti-Muslim, anti-Semitic provocations. And I'll tell you this, in Paris or Marseille, you'd have to go a long way to find an underground bookshop to find these things. So what does that tell us about modern Lyon? Actually, what does that tell us about modern France? That I was able to buy these magazines, not in an underground bookshop, but in a kiosk on the busy, beautiful, beating heart of bourgeois Lyon on a sunny afternoon. 
I think it tells us that a lot of ghosts of the past, to do with Vichy, to do with anti-Semitism, to do with guilt, they've never quite gone away here, right in the dead centre of that complex country called France. Despite the tensions, I do have to say that much of Lyon Le Bourgeois is actually working very, very hard to build a brighter and shinier city. One of the people who's been part of this campaign is Ellen Bellier, who runs a cultural blog. And I'm off to meet her with a group of people. There's Sylvie, who's an artist. There's Simone, who works in the kindergarten. And there's Frédéric, who's a German teacher, a teacher of German, not a German. And whichever way, I'm off to meet them for a drink and a chat. In the present, I think that there is an opening to international, which is very important in France and especially in Lyon, which tries to become an international city, not only for business, but also for cultural events. It used to be a very close community. I mean, uh, people uh, were not very open-minded. We have to be open to other cultures, perhaps uh, African culture, Iranian culture. So I think there is uh, some kind of uh, opening to melting pot cultures, I would say. In the Anglo-Saxon world, there is a perception that French culture, it's all dead, it's all finished. Mm. France is a, is a pays musée, it's a museum. Mm. Is that true, Sylvie? No, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> I think France is, is coming back from his, its ashes. <laughs> I think so. When I come to Lyon, um, to, uh, they told me, oh, you will see Lyon, it's the city of sleeping beauty. Mm. And so it wakes up. I mean, I wasn't proud of Lyon before I left the city. I studied tourism in Nice because I meant there is nothing to see in my city. Suddenly I noticed uh, there were quite a lot of things to be seen here and there are people which are, who are very open. I get the sense that people in France are a little unsure about putting together the past, the present and the future. There's a kind of malaise about what it means to be French. What does that mean for you? We have the feeling that we are part of a French nation because we, we share the same values from one region to another region. But I would say that the change, the big change would be rather that uh, we are developing our own culture from uh, one region to another region. Once in a time there was France, it was Paris. Mm -hmm. And now there is a system of décentralisation. Mm -hmm. And so the regions are much more important. I think the point is that France is on the move, and it's on the move so quickly that a lot of French people don't even understand it. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's something beyond polar politics. It's something to do with, with French history. Mm -hmm. The way I see French history is a series of mutations and changes that keeps mm -hmm. a dynamic moving forward. So progress isn't linear. It's a kind of mm -hmm. matrix of events, and that's what I see here mm -hmm. in France in the 21st century. Simone, um, I think Lyon is the most secret of secret cities in France, and France is a very secretive country. What are the secrets that you talk about when you close your doors? Oh, oh that's a secret, so I can't <laughs> tell That's not possible. <laughs> So I'm standing here just outside the train station of Perrache in Lyon. It's, it's the top edge of the city. And when you get here, there's no more south. This is the end of the south of France. But looking back down at the territory I've covered, it seems to me I've, I've, I've kind of discovered a new south, if you like. This is not at all the Brit fantasy of the south of France as lavender, olive oil, lazy days in the sun. This is a place that's getting busy being creative. Anyway, I'm, I'm heading north now to the opposite end of the country and this is the land of the Shti. 
Um, you might not be familiar with this word. It's not a word that you're going to find in many official French dictionaries, but it's a word that every French person knows, and it refers to northerner. And what I'm really interested in is finding out whether they're pulling the weight in the same way as the southerners in the development of this new plural identity in France, this new sense of Paris doesn't control everything. We know what we're doing in this very separate way. So the question that I'm thinking about is, is pas la France maintenant, mais les France maintenant. I don't know if it's grammatical, but it seems to be true. La France Maintenant was presented by Andrew Hussey and produced by Jeff Bird. Part two is at the same time next week. And speaking of next week, Julian Jackson will be exploring the central issue in the current election campaign for the presidency of France, race, religion, and what it means to be French. French. That's France and race, a question of identité. Next Tuesday evening, the 10th of April at 8 in the evening. We'll be in India with Nicholas Parsons in a minute. That's after Julian Warwick has told us about today's You and Yours. Alan, good morning. The chief executive of the mental health charity Mind is leaving...